You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Jesus, as we lift your name this morning, I pray that you would break every chain that needs to be broken by the power of your name and in the power of your love, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you go ahead and and have a seat. Thank you, team, for leading us this morning. I am going to jump right into our text. My name is Keith. If you're new here, we're thankful that you're here. Uh, I'm going to jump right into our text this morning in Mark chapter 1, or sorry, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and, and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. 
Jesus, you, you know my prayer this morning. There is darkness in us that you need to bring your light to. And sometimes, Jesus, we don't know what that is. Sometimes we, we can't see because, well, you can't see in the dark. And so, Jesus, you are the light of the world. And your light has come into the world to extinguish the darkness. So, Jesus, by your spirit, do what only you can do. Make us fully alive in Christ again. We pray through your holy word today. Amen. I think no one would really deny the presence of evil in our world. I mean, we need simply to read the headlines of the newspapers, right? And many of you have, have maybe seen the footage of uh, the massacres that have taken place in the Middle East of late. What has taken place isn't simply brutal, criminal, it's evil. Wouldn't you agree? But forms of terrorism, they aren't the only evil in our world. Presently, there are over 50 million people living in slavery in our world today. 50 million people. That's the entire population of Canada and Sweden combined. Every person sold into slavery. And many of these 50 million people are children who have been trafficked into the sex trade. Evil. The Holocaust, 9-11, residential school atrocities, the Rwandan genocide, human trafficking. When we take an honest look at our world, both past and present, no one, I think, would deny the presence of a moral evil in our world. But is there more to evil than these things? I've spoken with some friends who, who've struggled with their own addictions, and, and they've described to me how they feel about the substances that they turn to in, in order to cope. And they've described them as a dark force, a darkness that, that causes destruction not only to themselves but to the people around them. To these friends of mine, these, these drugs, these, these addictions, they're a force of evil in their life. But is there more to evil than, than this, than, than a force of destruction? Does a spiritual evil exist? A transcendent evil? An evil one? You see, well... No one would deny the presence of evil in our world, like the evils of war or, or, or the evils of addiction. But our post-enlightenment Western world has a hard time believing in a personal transcendent evil. We, we have a hard time with it. And so we come to a story like this one in Mark 5 about a man under, under the influence of a dark spiritual force. And there's many in our context who, who want to dismiss it as fanciful. We read it and, and we think that the biblical writers, that they were just simpletons, that they were primitive, that, that, that they, they were superstitious, that they were prone to describe natural conditions with supernatural explanations. 
And the assumption is made that, that because these ancient people knew very little about psychology or physiology, that they were inclined to think that someone having a seizure or, or having a manic episode was plagued by a demon. But what if they knew something that we are prone to overlook? What if there's more to evil than we actually think? You know, we would do well to recognize that the people in Jesus' day weren't as unknowing as we sometimes think that they were. In Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 4, 28, we read about how the news of Jesus spread all through a, a particular region. And, and, and the people brought, uh, or the, the people there came to Jesus. And this is what it says in Matthew 4, 24. It says that they brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. Now, I wonder, do you see the detail in the text here? Do you see what people understood in Jesus' day? You see, people in Jesus' day, they knew the difference between seizures and those who were struck by an evil spirit. They understood that not all out-of-the-ordinary conditions were the work of a dark spiritual force. And so the question again, does a spiritual evil exist? Well, yes, of course. And the Bible is clear on this point. And we see it all throughout the Gospels, that, that wherever Jesus went announcing the kingdom of heaven, he has to attend to these dark spiritual forces that are holding people in darkness. They come hand in hand in the Gospels. And the, the Apostle Paul, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Indeed, there is such a thing as spiritual evil. After university, I worked as a research assistant at the BC Cancer Agency in Vancouver. I haven't always been a pastor, and, and, and while I was there, I met a lady who, who was in for some treatments. And, and, and her name was Winsong, and I feel okay sharing her name because that actually wasn't her name. <laughs> it wasn't Winsong, but it's what she wanted to be called. And she was a kind woman. She was a, a little eccentric, and apologies to anyone who kind of uh, lived through the 60s and 70s, but she kind of reminded me of a hippie, right? <laughs> she dressed a, a, a little oddly uh, and a little wildly, and she carried a walking stick wherever she went. And well, one day uh, on my lunch break, I ran into Winsong outside of the cancer agency, and, and we exchanged pleasantries in the moment, uh, and she asked me if I had 11 cents, <laughs> a dime and a penny to be uh, specific, and I kind of laughed. Those were the days actually where we had change in our pockets. Those were the days when we had pennies. I can explain that to anyone under the age of 20 in here, what those are, but they were a strange thing. We had pennies. So she asked for 11 cents, a dime and a penny. And so I pulled the loose change out of my pocket, and, and she asked me to put the penny to my forehead and the dime to my chest. 
And now at this point, I, I was a little uncomfortable, but, but I, I went with it because I, I wanted to be kind. And as I stood there in this position, she looked me in the eye and she said, Keith, I see you have a strong spirit in you. And it was at that point that I, I picked up that this was headed in a particular direction. She looked me in the eye and she said, Keith, I, I, see, I want you to know that I'm a witch. And I can see that you have a, a great strength in you. And so I immediately dropped my hands and I said to her, I belong to Jesus Christ. And at this, her face turned serious and stern. She reached up and put her hand over my right eye and she said to me, she said, there's something wrong with your eye, Keith. And I said, I don't think so because there was nothing wrong with my eye previously. But when she took her hand away, I had blurred vision in my right eye. A blurred vision that lasted nine months. The truth of the matter is, evil exists in many forms. Moral evil, forces of evil, and a spiritual evil. C.S. Lewis writes these words in the introduction to his famous book, The Screwtape Letters. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors to hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. The text in Mark 5, it tells us about a man under the influence of a dark spiritual force. And his story is important in our journey of following Jesus because in it we see one of the forces that keeps us from the full and abundant life that Jesus came to give us. The full and abundant life that, that he, he came to lead us into as we follow him. Remember, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, I have come so that people can have life, God's life, and be overflowing with it. But right before this promise of the full and abundant life, Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And the truth of the matter is, one of the thieves that robs us of the life Jesus came to give us is the evil one and his army of darkness. And if we want to follow Jesus into the fullness of life in his kingdom, he needs to deal with these forces of evil that are work, at work in and among us. And so we're told in the text that Jesus arrives in the region of the Gerasenes in a boat and when he does, a man with an impure spirit approaches him. And in this man, we, we get a window into what spiritual evil does to a person. And there are three features of the man's situation that I want you to see this morning. First, he was unclothed. We gather this a little later in the text when, when we see that he's been restored to his dignity, that he's clothed. But first, we see he was unclothed. He was stripped of his dignity. Second, he was in anguish and torment, crying out, the text says, day and night. And third, he lives among the tombs. 
He's separated from life-giving community. And herein lies the master plan of evil spiritual forces. The evil one is hell-bent on dragging God's creation into destruction because that's what evil does. It erodes and enslaves humanity to hold us in darkness. That's what all evil does. Not simply spiritual evil, but moral evil and, and all forces of evil in our world. They all erode and enslave humanity. We see it at work all around us. They all work toward the same end. They hold people in darkness. They drag God's creation into destruction. When Jesus asked this man his name in, in verse 9, the reply is, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion. It's not the man's real name, but, but it's the name of the evil that he's been chained to. Legion referred to a Roman army of about 5,000 soldiers. Mark this, the man was eroding under the oppression of an army of darkness. And we might wonder, how on earth does something like this happen? How is someone overtaken by an evil spiritual force such as this? And well, the text in Mark 5, it doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us how the man came to be ruled by a legion of dark spiritual forces. We don't know if it happened one at a time or all at once because the text simply doesn't tell us. But the Bible does tell us some of the ways that people can give themselves over to the evil one, ways that, that people can give the evil one a foothold in their lives. The Bible tells us about ways that we participate with the evil one's schemes to, to erode and, and, and enslave human beings. And mark this, the answer might surprise you. Ephesians 4, 26, 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Holding on to anger, it's a way of giving ourselves over to the spiritual forces of evil. And in 1 Timothy 3, 6, we're told that pride puts a person in the same category as the devil. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the Lord's Prayer, in, in Matthew chapter 6, right after we pray our intention to forgive those who've wronged us, Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. We pray that line, and then the very next line we pray is what? Deliver us from evil. Forgiving others precedes deliverance. And so do you see what the Bible says about how a person starts to walk down the road to darkness? How we give ourselves over to the evil one? Yes, darkness can take hold of a person when they participate with the occult. A little like I did accidentally with Windsong. Or maybe through a Ouija board or, or, or through visiting psychics. 
There are ways we open ourselves to darkness. And, and yes, darkness can take hold of a person because of intergenerational sins and curses or, or something your ancestors exposed you to or something that, that was done to you. And yes, darkness can take hold of a person because of their willful participation in sin, particularly sexual sin. But we should not overlook the dangers that we willingly participate with, like festering anger and unforgiveness and pride. See, we tend to dismiss these things, but, but could it be that this man called Legion took his first step on the road of torment with a simple act of disobedience? And one step led to another, and then another, and before he knew it, he had marched a legion's journey into the darkness. It seems to me that this is often how evil and the evil one works in the life of a Christian person. One disobedient decision at a time. One visit to the website leads to the next, and before long, the chain of addiction holds you in darkness. One indulgence of, of unforgiveness leads to another, and, and before long, the relationship is destroyed, and, and, and the person lives with a spirit of unforgiveness that affects all of their relationships. One compromise leads to another, and before long, you repel where you once delighted at the mention of God and His holiness. You see, it seems to me that this is how most people give themselves over to the destructive forces of evil, one step at a time, one moment at a time. And so we would all do well to ask ourselves, where might I be exposed where am I living under the influence of the evil one? Where am I participating with his schemes? Where do I need Jesus to break the chains of oppression in me? I recall a time a number of years ago when I realized that I had been giving myself over to the power of the evil one. It was in Calgary at a meeting where all of the pastors and leaders of our denomination went <laughs> to meet. What a place. And entering into that week, I was in a funk. I was willfully holding on to a bad attitude, willfully holding on to a judgmental spirit toward other people. And as I reflect on that time, I, I, no, no joke of a lie, I, I would describe it as saying, no word of a lie, it's not no joke of a lie, I'm mixing metaphors. <laughs> I would describe that time in my life saying that I, I had a spirit of disobedience at work in me. Have you ever felt that in yourself? And I felt Jesus inviting me into freedom with him multiple times that week. But I decided that being in a bad mood was just fine with me. <laughs> you ever been there? And so during one of the sessions, as, as all these Christian leaders sang together, the spirit of Jesus was inviting me into worship. But I wouldn't let my heart go there. I was singing the words because I wanted to look like I was participating, but, but my divided heart was not worshiping Jesus. It couldn't. And I heard the Spirit call me to repent, 
to return, to to give my divided heart to Jesus so that I I would be made whole and, and that I would experience joy again. But I simply crossed my arms. What do you think of me now? (laughs) And in that moment, Dave Hearn, our president at the time, came onto the stage and he began to speak with authority. He pointed us to the authority that Jesus had to break the darkness that we had let settle into our lives. And in that moment, with the mention of Jesus, I kid you not, the chains of my disobedient spirit were broken instantly. It was like the door of my heart was unshackled and it flung wide open. And my crossed arms were were freed from their tangle and they were lifted to God in praise. By the power of Christ, I had been set free. I was alive again at the mention of Jesus' name. You see, I wasn't bound by a legion of demons, but I certainly was participating in that moment with their kind of evil, the one that erodes and enslaves. And the point is that that there can be times when a person opens themselves up to evil in a single moment, and if we're not careful, a single moment can turn into a legion of moments. And what all of us really need is for Jesus to shine the light, his light, into our darkness. Because when his light shines in our darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. And this is precisely what Jesus does for the man in Mark chapter 5. And it's what he wants to do for each and every one of us here today too. No matter the evil you're facing. No matter the darkness you feel. Verses 6 to 8, it says, When he, the man, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Church, there is a power greater than the darkest evil that exists. And his name is Jesus. At the mention of his very name, the darkness trembles and begs and shakes. And this is precisely how we know this man in the story isn't facing a mental illness of some kind. An illness doesn't tremble in the presence of Jesus even though he has the power to undo it. But spiritual evil does. Evil cowers and quakes in the presence of Jesus because spiritual evil knows he has the power to undo them. And Jesus looks into the darkness and shines the light of God in this man's life saying, come out of this person, you impure spirit. Church, Jesus has the power to release you from the things holding you in darkness. How? How does Jesus break the power of evil? How does he do it? He takes it upon himself. Look at the text. Verse 14, it says, When they, the people from the villages, 
came to Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Do you remember that under the forces of darkness, the man was unclothed, but now he is fully dressed? Under the forces of darkness, the man was in anguish and torment, but now he is in his right mind. And in verse 20, at the end of the story, he's restored to life in the city. We read that at the end of the story. Under the forces of darkness, the man lived in the tombs among the dead. Now he is alive among the living. How is the evil in this man undone? Well, because Jesus traded places with him. Because on the cross... Jesus took upon himself the effects of this man's evil. On the cross, Jesus was stripped naked, just as the man had been. And on the cross, Jesus cried out in anguish and torment under the weight of sin and evil, just as the man did. And on the cross, Jesus entered the tomb, just as the man lived among them. You see, on the cross, Jesus takes the man's place, He absorbs evil into himself to wipe out evil without wiping us out. And it's this power, the power of Jesus in his cross, that breaks the chains and sets him free to be clothed in his right mind and fully alive among the people. And church, Jesus wants to do that for all of you today, no matter how the evil one has chained you up. He loves you, and he is not content to leave you languishing in your darkness. You know how I know that in the text? Get this. It's because of the pigs. We read a text like this, and we think, the pigs, what's going on with the pigs? And those of us who aren't farmers in the room, we're like, the poor pigs. Right? What role do they have in this? See, we read the story and we're perplexed about this detail, but, but when this takes place, no one would have cared much about the pigs, except, of course, for the farmers who owned them. And to a first-century Jewish person, pigs were unclean. They weren't a source of food for the Jews, but, but a herd of pigs that size, I did a little bit of math, a herd of pigs that size would have been worth about $1.5 million dollars. A massive amount of money. And Jesus is saying that the value of this one naked, tormented, homeless man was far greater than any earthly wealth. And Jesus looks upon you and your life today and he says your well-being, your freedom from the dark forces is more important to me, Jesus says, than all the wealth in the world. Church, Jesus has the power to release you from the torment of evil, from the darkness that erodes your humanity and is enslaving your freedom. And this morning, as I speak the name of Jesus, Jesus is speaking right into the darkness of your life because he wants to set you free. He's calling you out of the tombs to be fully alive with him among the living. 
And he wants to clothe you with his own righteousness and set you free from the torment of your mind and your soul. And so church, where is the darkness at work in you? Where is there unforgiveness and anger and pride? Where are you willfully turning to sin and darkness, tightening their chains? Where are you under the spell of the things of this world, the pursuit of wealth and power and sex, instead of the pursuit of Christ and his holiness? Where have you opened yourself to the darkness? Where do you need Jesus to shine his light? Jesus is here to set you free, to unshackle the door of your heart and untangle your arms so that you might lift them both in worship, fully alive to God. Let's pray. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, we pray that this morning, by the authority that only you possess, that you would break the chains of evil in the hearts and minds of these, your people. And that Jesus, where there have been evil ways among us in our past, we pray that you would break those chains and set us free. And Jesus, where there are, is our participation with evil in the present, we pray that you would break the chains and set us free. Shine your light, Jesus, we pray. For you alone can break the chains. Amen.